Hello and welcome to Sunnydale Study Group, the podcast for returning Scoobies and Buffy newbies. I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And I'm Holland. Today we'll be talking about the season two episode, Ted, with our very, very special guest. It's Blair Beveridge, the host of Webisode Watch. How's it going? It's going really well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, it's a very uncomfortable episode, but we have a very comfortable guest, so we'll see how those two mix. Anyhow, let's head into the library. I feel like I rushed that. I feel like I rushed this into the library. Do we usually spend more time outside the library? Uh, it depends on the episode. Okay. I mean, we're already in here. Yeah, right? It, it's cool it's that air we're, conditioned. It's cool that we're allowed to talk to Blair now. Yeah. I'll never forget that Like our first interaction oh. was like... We weren't allowed to talk to you. Let's yeah. Let's quickly rewind and talk, we about, talk about our, our, that? our, our Jason and I'm Ashley say a meet cute. Yeah, we're, we're no longer contractually obligated <laughs> to not say this stuff. Uh, so we I don't know anything about this. Oh, okay. It's a this funny is news story. for Chris. It's yeah, a funny I'll be story. the audience. Oh, okay, okay. I'm the listeners right <laughs> thanks, now. Thanks, thanks for coming to our show today. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we were all we were part of the uh, the vlog search for mm-hmm. Geek and Sundry, and that's how we met Blair. Yes, and we're all webby friends. And then at one point, um, Blair was so kind to have us on his show, Webisode Watch, where we get to talk about our influences and inspirations. Uh, which was weird. It was weird being interviewed because I was like, Yeah, I don't have anything to say. Well, and that was one of the first like cool things. Like that was when the channel had just started. So yeah. it was like, a, oh, what? Like, we're getting interviewed? Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then everyone got in trouble. <laughs> yeah, basically. Apparently we weren't allowed to talk to... We had to run it by, like... The powers that be. The producers, yeah. <laughs> the like, who we were allowed be. to talk to, which is not well-defined. Uh, uh, but so yeah. Was well, we're free now, awkward. guys. Yep. We're, we're free, free to say Blair is one of the nicest people <laughs> in the entire world. He's Canadian. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> It's part of my passport. I have to contractually do it or else they kick me out of the country. So. <laughs> this is, wait, is this our second Canadian guest? Uh, Ashley, yeah. Ashley Victoria Robinson. Do we have any Three other? then. Who else? Paul Mason. Paul Mason. Paul, oh. yeah. Third yeah. Canadian guest. Can't even yeah. be the first Canadian. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> can he be I wonder how many Torontonian. Canadians we can get on the podcast. Yeah, that'll be the, that's mm-hmm. the, that's when people are like, what, what do you bring to like the Buffy pod, podcast sphere? Canadian guests. I would do. I kind of would just want to start my own podcast and call it like. Okay, fair enough. Canadian for hanging Canada out. File, like a Canadian file. Canadian file. What would you call that, Blair? Canadian file. Canadian file works. I know lots of guests, so I can help you out with that. Yeah. Oh, this Canadian <laughs> agent over here. <laughs> agent C. The C's for Canada. I don't know. The C's for Canada. Anyhow, nicest people ever. Queen C's. Oh wait. Yeah. One of those is a very good segue. I don't say which one. Uh, yeah, so this is the, today we're going to be talking about, eventually, we're going to be talking about the episode, Ted. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very interesting episode in season two. It's, it's a very dark episode, very haunting episode, incredible performances. It's also the last episode uh, of the year 1997. This is the last 1997 episode. Wow. Fun fact. Uh, oh, and yeah. it, was, it was co-written. This is a co-written episode. David Greenwald, Joss Whedon. That's a power duo. Co-penned it, Yeah. And Bruce Seth Green on the direction. Bruce Seth Green, the man. As our as our friends on Tiny Fences pointed out, no relation to Seth Green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even that though threw me so for close. a little bit, I'll be honest. I'm like, was he writing on this before he was acting on this? <laughs> I don't know. He was so young. That would have been really impressive. That would have been great. Mm-hmm. He just got so much experience from Greg, <laughs> Greg the Bunny. I think right? it was after this. Was it after? That was very after. Wow. Well, uh, before we get ahead of ourselves. Oh, there was no segue there. Um, but let's say you were going miniature golfing, or you wanted to get your cookie recipe just right. And hey, maybe you didn't have time to knock out this episode. Uh, do not worry about that, because our friend Chris here is going to give you a cram session where he's going to summarize the entire episode in five easy, drug-inducing sentences. Mm. <laughs> so Chris, take it away. Uh, <clears throat> With Spike and Drusilla seemingly defeated, vampires of Sunnydale are taking kind of a break, and patrol season is a little lacking, so Buffy thinks that she is on top of the world until she walks into her house and sees her mom making out with a man. One. One. That's great. That's great. Good. Yeah. I think that's all I need. um, (laughs) Buffy quickly is put off by this man, a stranger named Ted, who quickly warms up to her friends by making them little pizzas and little cookies, and everything seems so great, and Joyce is 
very upset that Buffy doesn't just embrace this thing that's making her happy. Two. Wow, you, yeah. Yeah, that was like a butterfly in the plot points. You just kind of, whoop, mm. yeah. Until one fateful miniature golfing game where Ted threatens to hit Buffy if she doesn't fall into line and start obeying sure. his demands, which right. sparks Buffy into a natural slayer conquest to figure out what exactly is going on with this weird dude named Ted, and she goes to his workplace to snoop around, <laughs> only to discover that he seems to be a super, super nice and beloved guy. At his workplace? Three. All right, no, I continue. That's fine. That's good. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep, yeah, no, keep going, keep going. We're reinforcing keep you. Going. Yeah, we're giving you positive reinforcement here. Buffy comes home to find that Ted has gone through all of her <laughs> what? things. What is this, like a Captain America serial? And then suddenly, pow, And then pow. Buffy comes home to find Ted has gone through her Slayer devices <laughs> and says, I'm going to tell your mother about this, little young lady, which causes Buffy to freak out, mm -hmm. scream at him, and Ted hits Buffy across the face, and Buffy kicks the crap out of him until he plummets down the stairs and breaks his neck where the cops come, and Buffy is not brought up on charges because she is given self-defense by the police. But Ted is presumably dead. Four. <laughs> Ted is dead. Bring it back. Bring it in. Bring it in. Ted comes back and goes to Joyce and hugs her saying, oh, I wasn't dead. I was just unconscious. And it turns out that Ted is actually a horrible evil robot that was made by the real Ted who has been stockpiling dead wives in his closet and is intending to do the same to Joyce which causes Buffy to go full slayer on him grab a frying pan and beat him into a dead robot pulp the Fine. end <laughs> great Great, we got everything. Yeah, I don't that, think there's anything left out. There was a cookie stuff. There, right? yeah, yeah. That that's fine. That. That's fine. That's more B plotty, really. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, for that's, that's for Scoobies that, to yeah, do. That right? was like this, that was, those were the that was the sugar on Ted's cookies. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a way to phrase it. Omar uh, <laughs> did the puns around here. <laughs> I thought that too. Uh, <laughs> the whole concept of someone like falling down the stairs and dying was so weird to me because like I was just a really clumsy child so I fell sure. down the stairs a lot mm -hmm. I'm gonna like fall down the stairs and hit my head but like I, was, I turned out fine clearly um but I remember <laughs> no but I remember the first time uh it was the the talking Tina Twilight Zone episode yeah where yeah, the doll yeah, knocks the dad down the stairs and he dies and I remember I like turned to my parents I was like why did he die and they were like what they're like he fell down the stairs that's why he died and I was like no I was like I fall down the stairs all the time like I don't die and I just remember being so baffled like I find when I realized that you could die from falling down the stairs when you yeah, become a 40 plus year old male um, <laughs> you you can kill yourself in a number of ways that you, <laughs> that you wouldn't have been able to when you were younger oh <laughs> so. uh, yeah I'm trying to think of the weirdest way that but, I But, I mean, hurt. I know, but now I know someone, though, who fell down the stairs and died. It was, like, my oh, age, so. Oh, my God. Well, not, oh. like, super well, but, yeah. Like, I you know like, of it happening. Happens. Still, it's it was, still yeah, sad. Yeah, that's when I went to school. So it was, but it's, it's like, sad. it happens, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the weight of one's own body is ultimately. It depends the, how you fall, really. Yeah. If you, like, if you mm -hmm. land on your neck, you're going to. Although Ted didn't yourself. actually die. He this just true. kind of shut down. Right. Mm -hmm. So I guess we don't really even need to worry about that. Mm-hmm. For Ted, at least. Anyway. <laughs> but it was the first time that, like, the, I remember when I first saw this episode and thought Buffy did kill him. My Part of my mind was like, something's weird with this guy. I'm sure that Buffy didn't just kill a human. But there's that moment where you kind of sit in it and you kind of, like, are forced to just, yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah. You have to sit in it for a really long time because it's a Monster of the Week episode, but you don't find out it's a Monster of the Week episode until, like, the last ten minutes of the episode because mm -hmm. the rest of the episode is just played out really straight. Mm -hmm. And it's not even, like, you, you sit in it longer than you normally would. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. they kind of go past the point where you're like, oh, they're going to, they're oh, they haven't done it yet. Oh, but, uh, no. Oh, They played crap. out for a yeah, long yeah. time. Like, they make you uncomfortable. Now, we actually have a very unique mm -hmm. situation here with Blair, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh -oh. you're going through the show 
uh, in the general sense for the first time, right? This is the first time that you're like going through all of Buffy. I am. I, I started uh, in March when you started this podcast. You, hey! I, I, cool. I'm one of your little children. I'll, I'll admit Yay. it freely. So, um, I'm powering through it. I'm, I'm in midway through season six, Buffy, and whatever the equivalent for Angel is. Um, three? I just, yeah, three. And they just, uh, they've just finished the musical episode and all the stuff happens so but mm. back but back to ted i guess we can get to <laughs> well yeah. we'll get Were to those you... other ones later <laughs> yeah what was your impression of the episode as you're going through like the first time with no previous well this was knowledge. the first monster of the week you will that i was like oh i know someone like that you know i mean i think i think oh. most people at some point in their life have come across a super controlling human being mm-hmm. and um rather be a association or whatnot i i uh I once upon a time dated someone who was super controlling. My um, wife's best friend has an unfortunate habit of dating guys with this very specific MO. And you just see them systematically walk in. They start off like way too nice. And then they kind of go from, you know, separating them from their friends and et cetera, et cetera. We see kind of the accelerated version in this episode. So it was the very first time I ever saw one of these going, oh, this is a little real for me. Uh huh. Yeah. And and then of course you know when Ted breaks his neck I'm just like oh my god you know I mean that was a little extreme as much as I hate that person to mm-hmm. have him you know at that point you think you know killed by the hero or the heroine sorry um, it's it was it was a little much it was the first kind of kick me in the face uh, episode of season two that mm-hmm. I I was not expecting it I mean I was I was season one was tough to get through I'll be honest. Um, season two was good, and and that was the very first time I kind of took a stop and went, whoa, that was a little heavy. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and I mean, it kind of ended with an obvious monster of the week scenario, but uh, uh, leading up to that ending, I was, I was, it, it was just, it was very much a different kind of episode for me. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, because it definitely plays way more like a drama where it's not. There's nothing to investigate. Mm-hmm. There's like Ted is doing weird stuff, but it's it's so much more suffocating than that. It's so much more about that character, the real-life mm-hmm. character. And the mm-hmm. monster twist is almost like, we got to make it better back in the universe. But it really does feel like there, there's a lot of, I don't know, personal storytelling going on in this episode. Right. You know, I'll... where that character's too accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little too on the nose. Um, I also have this theory that every once in a while, the writers, be it Joss or someone else, throws Xander a bone. Because I think... Xander, to this point, is just the ultimate and creepy on, on television. <laughs> but from time to time, they rather give him a really solid storyline to say, well, he's not that bad. Or they give someone like Ted, who's like beyond the creepiness that we see with Xander. Um, I, I found they did that for the first few seasons just to say, oh, okay, yeah, you guys thinking he's really kind of creepy. We're not really going for that. Or maybe we are. I don't know. But it just seemed like from time to time, they would kind of throw him a redemption bone and and uh, this this was one of them for me because Ted out creeps Xander. Uh, yeah. It, and to Xander's credit, he even under the so Ted was drugging the cookies to try to make everybody kind of uh, become like more uh, into him mm-hmm. or whatever. Relax. And yeah. even underneath those drugs, it was like Xander is so loyal to Buffy because I feel like it's like. Xander up to this point, because I definitely do believe that, because he is a generally beloved character, I think that the reason that we're, like, so kind of grossed out by him up to this point is because it's, like, he makes all these gross, like, sexual jokes, he's a total skis, like, teenage boy, but I do believe that we're in the midst of kind of where Xander kind of becomes a better character and a better person from here until the end, even though that side of him is still present. But in this, it's like he's super loyal to Buffy. He does not believe, he does not think that she killed Ted. And it's like he's immediately on her side. And it's like whenever he really does need to kind of be a good friend, he is a good friend. That's, no, I, that's true. I agree yeah. with that. Not always, but generally. When yeah. it really comes down to... He's a really to, good cheerleader. Yes. He's a really good cheerleader. Um, and that kind of touches on my favorite aspect of this episode. I, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily the most potent or the best. Uh, because I think that the Ted stuff, and we'll definitely dig into that in a second, mm-hmm. but the idea of Buffy as a hero, mm-hmm. I think is like the spine of this episode. Like there's definitely the horror, but like what's like the, the thing that we take away. And I love that it's that Buffy feels horrible about using her powers mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to hurt somebody. I love Cordelia's line where she's like, where, the Superman line where she's like, but she's super, she's Superman. Like shouldn't there be different rules yeah. for her? And mm-hmm. it's like, it seems like a, cause I love, 
Cordelia's lines because they seem like such like throwaway, like ditzy. But mm-hmm. then if you right. think about it, you're like, oh no, like she makes a really good mm-hmm. point. She's kind of like, quoting Nietzsche. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a fascist society. Right. Can't we have one of those? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cordy was just kind of out of character for who she was at, uh, in this episode up to this point. I mean, she was willing to help Giles um, patrol when, when Buffy was out. And I'm like, yeah. That was a bit weird, yeah. I mean, now that I'm seeing Cordelia in, in the later stuff and with Angel in particular, okay, yeah, that's the girl I've been seeing in those episodes. But back at this point, she was just, you know, your your basic, you know, rich girl trope. And um, mm-hmm. this episode was a little out of character for her in that regard. And and uh, I, I like as, as I hated Cordelia as Angel <laughs> Cordelia, or sorry, as as Buffy Cordelia. But I like Angel Cordelia quite a bit. It was it's very similar with me with Wesley. Um, which again, has we don't know. Been. We don't. Yeah, we don't know who Wesley is yet. Wesley is Wesley some, the lion some too. random yeah. person. I'm gonna keep doing. It. I'm sorry, guys. Um, no, no, no. You're great. You're great. <laughs> but yeah, it was just. It was really out of character for her. And to this point, I, I actually didn't understand the point of Cordelia. I'm like, yes, you want to put her in there because she's a pretty girl. Maybe I don't know. I really didn't see the point of her until around this time in the in the series. As what's kind of crazy, like they, there's so many, and there's some big ones that'll pop up later that we'll definitely talk about. But in terms of the writing, just within the, t- the TV show, or at least like the Buffy verse, is that uh, they have such a road, they have a roadmap for the characters, mm-hmm. and they're they're willing to pursue that roadmap, and they plant stuff so early on. Uh, in fact, this episode and what we just talked about right now will come back later in a mm-hmm. really big way of you know do those powers and does that responsibility give you more levity? Uh, in terms of the law of man. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're answering to a supernatural law, um, how does that, like, if you're more powerful, like, what exactly, where's your morality lie? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that sense, Cordelia is very smart because um, she knows where the show's going. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, also, like, as far as Cordelia being out of character, like, I kind of agree, but also um, I feel like her willingness to help and stuff, I always draw it to, like, whenever you see her in class, she's very much a teacher's pet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so there right. is an aspect of her personality that always kind of threw me off because I'm like, why is she doing this? Because like this isn't doesn't seem like her character at all. But like every time there's a classroom scene, she's always the first one to raise her hand and like answer, even if it's completely wrong. So that's like she definitely has that aspect of her personality where she's a total teacher's pet despite everything. Mm-hmm. So I feel like whenever she like jumps in to try and help Giles do stuff or whatever, it's just because that's she is kind of like that because she just wants to be the best at everything. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that she's, I think that she's kind of just part of the gang at this point. Like, I know that earlier in the season we were talking about that a little bit, that it's like she's part of the team, even though she's so different compared to the rest of them, and she's so the odd one out amongst them, just by default of what she's gone through and the fact that she can process the reality of the dangers that they encounter, that she just by default is part of this. So I feel like her wanting to help Giles is because she understands how intense it is. And I also wonder if, like, the fact that her and Xander are now starting to couple up is almost like her fully kind of, like... She's in. Getting her... She's part of the family. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, but doesn't (laughs) she, like, on purpose um, be as mean as possible to Xander in front of his friends? Like, in Giles, I would personally... I mean, I understand the teacher's pet thing, and that's a little conflicting on this point, but... I. I would consider the him part of the friend group, and and yet for that one section where things went really bad for Buffy, there was almost uh, she she felt bad for her. She legitimately wanted to help out, and I, I liked it. I liked what I saw, but it was just out of character. And I think I remember the you know the next episode. She was I mean I, if I could be forgetting, but I think she went right back to the way she was, which was anyway. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Number two. <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of breaking character, or at least uh, evolving very dramatically, um, I definitely want to talk about John Ritter's performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. For the younger folk that might be, uh... I just I want to make sure you're close enough to the mic. Oh, thank I you. I feel thank like you. you're not in the directional. Anyway. <laughs> um, for the for 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 folks who might not be familiar with John Ritter's work, uh, he. Three's Company was the big thing that I met him uh, through, at least, in terms of performance. Amazing comedic actor. Incredible comedic actor. Problem Child was... uh, Problem Child was yours? That was (laughs) my gateway. Yes, one and two. Both good. Both good. He was also... John Ritter was in the movie... uh, What's it called? Uh, The TV one. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Legendary movie. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyhow, uh, he carried this reputation of being the nicest guy. And then yeah. him playing in this episode, and I remember the promo. And it's cool because, uh, again, to mention our friend Sunny Fences, the other, uh, another um, Buffy podcast. They they play the promos before each uh, episode. Oh, that's cool. And um, they talk about like how they talked about back in 1987. They're like, "You've seen John Ritter. Now see him play a role that like, you can't even imagine, because he's like being so like creepy and scary." Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it's nuts to see him play that character because mm-hmm. I don't want to see him like that. No. Yeah. no, and I think that's really the main reason I wanted this episode because I was a big John Ritter fan. I'm I'm probably a little older than most of your listenership. Um, but when I saw, <laughs> when I saw him play this dark role, it was like, that's Jack Tripper. He's not supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. When he's he supposed, cooks, he cooks well. <laughs> yeah. He's supposed to pretend he's gay so he can continue to live with two women in the seventies, you know, like, cause that was such a big deal back there. But no, it was, he was so very dark in this. And, and again, because I, I've known people that controlling personality, it was also so kind of creepy that he nailed it. But I mean, this is what you go to... Some people think actors are their roles, and, and I think I got caught in that a little bit. You know, he was the consummate nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know, this this guy's an actor. This guy's a professional. He can he can do multiple things, and he this he was absolutely great in this episode, playing, playing things so dark. Yeah. yeah. No, he's really great in this episode, and John Ritter's... I just love him so much, and I... I mean, I'm just going to say the same thing that you guys said. Mm-hmm. He's just good. It's a really good episode. I always forget how good this episode is. Yeah. Because I feel like it kind of gets lost. Well, they're not afraid to go to the dark places in this one. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to put a rubber mask on somebody and then kick them in the head. It's another thing to go into misogyny and, you know, you know, abuse specifically towards women. And, mm-hmm. and you know, John committed fully the, you know... Uh, 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 Kat, is it Catherine, Christine, Christine, and uh, Christine Sutherland. Sutherland, Christine Sutherland, and and, yeah. and uh, Sarah committed fully. Yeah, um, and I mean, the, obviously, incredibly difficult, dark topics, and and especially at the time. Um, I, my hats off to all of them. They they did a great job. I Imagine this... being in the room when they were shooting that dinner scene, mm-hmm. where Buffy's like, "I want to die." Like, imagine, mm-hmm. like, being there. That's, like, these three incredible actors mm-hmm. who are just playing, like, that. everyone just kind of hates each other a little bit. Yeah, and that prayer that he does, and it's, like, mm-hmm. what's so creepy about that prayer, too, is that that means that that would have been, like, programmed into the robot by the previous... Um, by Real Ted? By Real Ted. Because mm-hmm. are we sure that Real Ted was also bad? Or, because it was, like, Ted's was dying and he wanted to make a robot to take care or his wife he was dying and he wanted a robot to take care of his wife so he created himself as a robot and then that robot ended up turning evil and trapping wives in the closet so do we have any idea if this is sort of like a frankenstein and well i guess the monster i mean you would have to argue that the robot was like sentient and had mm-hmm. the ability to go evil and like blame it on the AI, which could be a thing, but I feel like that's not. Is it a hellmouth issue? Well, that's not how I read it. I just read it as like this guy who like couldn't accept the fact that he was dying. Like, is clearly so controlling that he had to con- yeah. create him like a robot of himself so he could continue to just be as controlling. Like, I feel like it's just like an mm-hmm. expansion. So he put the controlling he nature person. into the robot. Well, he was so controlling that he made a robot because he yeah. couldn't accept the fact that he wasn't going to be there. I can't make there. a robot. I'm not that controlling. It's not that I don't know how. I'm sure I know how. I'm sure I could do it. I choose not to. I just choose, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But it's also, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, uncommon, you know, back in that time in the, in the, in the 50s, 50s to have yeah, that's... a misogynist male controlling personality as the head of a household. In fact... I would argue it was quite common. Um, a lot of people I know that you know are of strong personalities that are of that time frame are still very much like that. Yeah, and and you know the, you know you sit there and you kind of grin and bear it through you know time to time. I I'm not very good at that. I'll be honest. I'm I'm someone who's said a few things and have to leave <laughs> the room. But my my Canadian gets checked at the door when I run into that personality. Well, <laughs> it's weird because I feel like I had friends who had parents like that growing up. Like yeah. I just I remember always feeling so uncomfortable because I had like a pretty liberal upbringing, and my parents are 
pretty chill. And then I would remember like going over to, to like friends' houses and then it was like even just like praying before dinner or like I like if I made like a small mistake like I, I wouldn't even like curse or I'd just say something like I, I like I would say like suck or something like I would like do the slightest thing that was just like I guess not kosher and mm. I would have like like I I had a few friends and it was like their parents would just like yell at me do that weird kind of like scary yell where mm-hmm. they're just like we don't use that language at like mm-hmm. my house like that like Yikes. there are parents like that like they exist and that's why it's so creepy because like you said everyone does kind of know someone like that my well, mom did something like that uh when my friend was visiting except it was the opposite where he was like should we wait for grace we were like all at dinner and he was like should we wait for grace and my mom was like eh, she moved out <laughs> <laughs> well i mean our parents <laughs> at least my parents generation um was the first generation that had to transition from that 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 personality that ted had um mm-hmm. into a more liberal personality that you know is obviously a lot more prevalent in today's day and age and some people liked that transition and some didn't. So you got a hodgepodge of a mix of, of, of right. both. I find in today's world we're a lot more transitioned at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I, our parents' generation was the first probably in history where they had to make that severe of a change. And the people who were able to do it, the more liberal parents, I think should be commended because that had to be very difficult at that time because there were still a lot of people in that workplace that they they went to every day that probably had those old school ideals so Mm -hmm. i'm glad that they stayed strong because they've clearly brought us to a better place in terms of that sort of uh way uh, way to treat people (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. maybe i mean i also feel like i lucked out because i was raised and i was in part by a single mom and so my parents were dating like when i existed Mm -hmm. and like I, i always like get really attached to storylines like that because I'm like, oh, like, I could have been completely screwed over. My mom could have dated a jerk. Like, they could have got married. I right. could have, like, had a horrible experience, but, like, I didn't, so. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to another yeah. point I, I wanted to talk about is, is the stepfather, the stepmother, yeah. if you want to, as well. I, I've I've had a couple of those in my life as well. Um, how, how did you find that? Like, I mean, I, my parents split when I was about eight. And they started, both of them started dating almost immediately. And I can tell you for certain, I didn't like anyone they dated. I wanted mm-hmm. them to get back together. I was your basic stereotype. I thought I was the reason they broke up and I wanted my parents to get back together. Much like Buffy says in this episode that she wishes that, you know, she, her mother could date her dad again. Yeah. I, to- mm-hmm. I totally related to that. But I never accepted the step parents or, or whoever my parents were dating as an authority fig- figure. I still don't. And, and I have one in my life still. So... Um, <laughs> how are how are you with that, Holland? Because I'm curious if if because I'm just so, such a stereotype in that regard, yeah. wondering how other people are. Well, it was a bit different for me because I was younger and I never had really established a relationship with my birth father. Like my parents weren't married, um, and he quickly was not a part of my life. Um, so I was young when my parents were dating. And I just, I remember always just like getting along really well um, with my dad, even when my parents were dating him before they were married, because I feel like he just made an extra effort to, to have me like him. Um, And it didn't even get weird for me. Like the only times where I started to kind of like question, um, like obviously he's my father, but like whether or not we like truly had that relationship was after like my siblings were born. And so when I, when it was like they like my mom and my dad were like technically their parents and then I was like only my mom's right, daughter right, right, like right. and it wasn't and I didn't even think it was weird until people started pointing it out and until I made that connection mm-hmm. so I feel like when it first happened I was like fine with it because I was like young and then like I was excited and like stuff like that because I, I often think like the, the, you see the progression of Ted where he, he's at first over the top nice like way too nice that the, the, the person who's really trying to um, win somebody's favor quickly and, mm-hmm. and and I had a very similar situation when they become more relaxed and obviously in this TV show everything was accelerated then that then their real true colors came out and they weren't as nice as they were pretending to be and in, in fact when your parent wasn't around which in my case happened um, it was almost like a very vitriol kind of attack like why are uh-huh. you you're, you're a pain in my butt I want I like your dad I'm not so into you sort of idea Wow. Um, but, as, but as soon as my dad's around, all of a sudden sun shines and rainbows again. And so hmm. to see that duality that, you know, that we saw John pulling off in this episode and, and, and you know, to have Buffy's like a, immediate backup, I was like, yes, that's exactly what I did. And, um, and I always felt that I was unfair with it 
but in the same breath, when, when the personalities come to the forefront and they're nasty, you almost feel vindicated, much like she did in this episode. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was totally in the right. <laughs> he was a robot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she really got away with one in this episode, like, completely. Because let, let's just face facts. She didn't know he was a robot. Yeah. She, <laughs> she, she could have killed a human being. Yeah. You know, I mean, that could, legitimately, she could have killed, a, a, not innocent, but a, a human being. Um, and she totally got away with one in this one. Yeah, it's like if you accidentally poison someone, and you're like, oh my god, and the police come up, and they're like, that was actually Dr. Mengele, mm-hmm. uh, a famous Nazi doctor, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Thank you? <laughs> yeah, you poisoned Dr. Mengele. Thank you very much. Great. Okay, I guess I'll go get some Froyo. <laughs> <laughs> so the B storyline between Giles and Jenny, I don't think we've touched on that one yet. Oh. Yeah. Heartbreaking. I mean, I'm so glad of the way that it turns and i feel like for such a dark episode that it's like the little gift in the end that we get to kind of see that resolve but that first scene where he like is making up excuses to kind of come and touch base with her because of all like because he's still like harboring guilt yeah um i don't like seeing i i feel so uncomfortable seeing that i uncom- not like each other i really like that scene in terms of like I feel like a, like a service that TV does oftentimes, which is just, like, it plays out, like, thought... Or it plays out, like, scenarios, so you can mm-hmm. see, like, what would happen. And I like the idea of, like, if you've done something that puts that hurts somebody, and then the way that she words it was, like, you also have to give me space and time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that... It's just great to have as an artifact for people to watch and to be like, okay, I see. It's not, like, a thing where it's, like, this person doesn't want to talk to me. That's it. I give up. Everything's terrible. It's like no, you just give them some time, and you also give them space to like heal on their own and do, and then they'll they'll reach out and they'll come to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I really appreciated that, and like she does feel bad. She's like, yeah. okay, I was kind of harsh on you, but I really appreciated um, that they had Jenny do that because mm-hmm. that's it's really realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's it. nothing there's nothing worse than like being upset about something and then like not only just being upset about the thing, but then have to worry about being upset that like you're upsetting someone oh, who whole, you don't yeah. want to be upsetting but mm-hmm. like at the same time you're like i just don't want to deal with them right now and it's just like a really really hard thing because you already feel horrible and then you're just being hard on yourself and you're not healing then because yeah. you're just performing yeah. you're like you're a puppet mm-hmm. with strings yeah didn't and, need to it, go into that metaphor it, and it, exa- it that's an accelerated oh, portion of me. of the joyce and buffy storyline when she feels yeah. yeah horrible you know you get to see that raw motion and and, and I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the first time we, we've seen really sad Sarah before? Because this was, she did an incredible job with that. Uh, in Prophecy Girl, yeah. we see her first sort of emotional breakdown. Um, but that is in more of an accelerated and heightened situation. Um, this is, I think it feels a little realer in this one because it's a joy story. So it's a different kind of sadness that we get to see. In the pack, we saw her cry tears of joy when she saw uh, our our favorite hero pig race off into the sunset alive mm-hmm. and look back for a second to go, everything's fine. <laughs> so aside from that, that's probably the only other time we've seen her yeah, cry, I right? Yeah, I think it's the first time since that. Yeah. <laughs> like, she, mm-hmm. like she's absolutely seen, absolutely seen crush. And I know um, as, as, this, uh, you know, as things go on, we see it a little bit more. But I often find that that's when she really shines is when she's... Yeah. Doing it. Yeah, it's so, it's so heartbreaking because she's just like... Like, obviously, she's a really good actress. Mm-hmm. But, like, when she... I don't know. Because, like, there's... I feel like there's a handful of, like, actors and actresses that you just get, like, attached to. And, like, when they are, yeah. like, sad, you're just, like, crushed. Mm-hmm. And, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar is one of those people for me. Like, seeing sad Buffy just, like... It breaks worse. me. I can't. <laughs> yeah. It's so like, because she looks like a little girl. Because you forget like how young. Like it's weird for me to say it because like, I'm. No, like, you're absolutely right. And I think but they like, do it on purpose. Like when they yeah. send her when they send her to school where she's wearing overalls. Like she looks like an '80s yeah. rapper. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's, it's it's just like oh my god, you've literally just turned her instead of like you know this fashion forward kind of girl into this this child because she's yeah. probably retreated into a childlike state. Yeah. Um, just like the band Crisscross. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I get the reference. I'm good. Thank you. Thank I know you. Chris Cross is like talking about very serious subject matter. Oh, sorry, sorry. Jokes about hip hop. This this is one that it's like I think what's so important about her thinking that she killed Ted is that Buffy is I 
and maybe there are other shows or other stories that are like this. I feel like Buffy is unique in the way that it treats violence, where it's like there's so many uh, heroes that are violent that we champion and that we cheer for, like be it the Avengers or Superman or whoever, where it's kind of like, yeah, you are, you know, kicking the bad guy's ass. Whereas it's like with even the Giles and Jenny storyline and the Buffy Joyce storyline, it's like, it's almost like gangs in a way. Like if you want to, it's like, yes, they're doing something that's noble by the fact that they're even partaking in violent activity. It's corrupted already. Exactly. Yeah. And that it, and it doesn't glamorize it. And the fact that we do get an act where we actually get to feel like Buffy took a life and is like, and it's not that we're mad that that life is dead because we hated that guy. We're more so like, Ugh, Buffy just must feel disgusting. Yeah, that's about blood it. in her hands. And that it's like, for all the darkness that goes on, I think it's one of the only shows and stories that really doesn't, it doesn't glamorize it too much. Yeah. It does a bit. It does a little bit. In any, that any, you know, Lord of the yeah. Rings or Harry Potter even I does. think like any, I feel like any show that deals with supernatural um, aspects has that same thing because like i know i bring up x files every podcast but the same thing happens with that show too like Mulder will go in these crazy like stints and it's like he ends up being in the right but he'll do something that you're just like holy shit like what did he just do yeah do they ever do Mulder and scully ever kill take a life Mulder has killed people i don't think scully has killed no i don't think well i mean they've like shot people that Mm -hmm. were like Clearly villains, on. but I think Mulder has definitely killed people that you're not 100% sure whether or not, like, mm-hmm. they were actually... That's definitely a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Cheery. also... I, it's my favorite version of a character who's too strong for their environment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we don't see that nearly enough. There's, like, a great example in... I think it's the Justice League Unlimited show where, like, they're fighting Darkseid and Superman says something where he's like... I, you know, when I'm on this planet, I have to tiptoe. I have to make sure I don't break doors or people's arms when I'm shaking their hand. Mm -hmm. But you, big guy, you can take it. And then he just, like, just starts walloping Mm -hmm. on him because he can, like, unleash all of his strength. But I've never seen a day-to-day example as good as Buffy where she, like, in season one, there's, like, sometimes, like, she breaks doors by accident. Mm -hmm. Um, And in this one, it's a case where she realized that she can't let loose, which is really interesting. That's like a really crazy anxiety. The, the fact mm-hmm. that there's yeah. something in her that can hurt other people. I feel like, I don't know if this happened to anyone else, but I feel like I definitely had that moment growing up where I realized that like I could actually hurt people. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, like, I, I can't even think of specific instances, but I definitely feel like there were times where like I would accidentally like hurt, I think my, my brother. I think like, because my brother and I were like just far enough apart that he was probably like too young for us to be like physically fighting. Mm-hmm. And there were probably like a few times where I hurt him like a little more than like I should have or just stuff like that mm-hmm. or even with friends. And then you realize that like, or even something dumb is like, I would always color too hard and break my crayons. But mm-hmm. just like when you realize that like you're stronger than you think you are. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then I'm like that like, not physically because I'm definitely not strong, but emotionally. I remember like I made someone cry one time on purpose and I was like, shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I don't know why I'm laughing. Because yeah. it was great. I love the power. And I'll do it again. Uh, <laughs> if you guys made robots of yourselves, mm-hmm. and you could only preserve, like, or you wanted to emphasize one positive aspect, because mm-hmm. I, I think Ted was a pretty good cook, right? Right. Especially if he was played by John Ritter. He has all that Three's Company experience. Well, he drugged all of his food. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I put that- chocolate chips in my cookies. We're all guilty of something. <laughs> <laughs> I have two cheat days a week. Um... <laughs> If you guys could put one characteristic into your robot that would go forth into the world, hmm. what would it be? Loyalty. Oh, um, that's good. That's a really good trait. Yeah. That's that's the, my favorite trait that I have of myself. Um, is is underwater breathing a trait? I don't have it. <laughs> can yeah. I give my sure. robot that? Yeah. Chris yeah. Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. Aquabot. Uh, I would say an exploratory... Curiosity. Yeah. These are interesting traits for... Yeah, yeah, great, cool, cool. It's like your robot, like, might go out to the mountains for, like, months and come back and be Mm -hmm. like, I found a spring. Yeah, maybe, you know, be imbued with underwater breathing skills. (laughs) Sure, of course. That's Curiosity leads to gills, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) How about you, Holland? Uh, This isn't a trait, but I feel like every time something like this comes up, I just really want robot eyes. 
Like, I just, I hate how bad my vision is. And, like, I don't actually like any traits about myself. So I would just have robot eyes. Like the Terminator eyes that scan the environment and give you all the variables. I just, like, I would want to be able to just see without wearing glasses or contacts and also just, like, be able to zoom in and stuff. Like, if I had, like, camera eyes. Like, I just, I want robot eyes. They got a surgery for that, you know. Yeah, they put robot eyes in your eyes. Yeah. They fake you with a laser and put in some robot eyes. I I would have uh, robot eyes. Cool. It's the future. I want them. I would say, for me, it would just be puns. Because the thing is, I feel like a lot of people want to say mean things to me when I make a a bad joke on purpose. But they don't want it because I'm a human. But if there was PunBot, everyone could just be like, PunBot, shut the up. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like it would alleviate a lot of our stress that I cause on a daily basis on Twitter. I feel like you're just like Robot. Oh, Robot Night. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to get the California accent on, though. You know, the bro. Oh, I can. I think I can do a good California accent. Whoa, it's pretty good, right, guys? Sounds wow. like I was born in California. Mm, hey, get back to the beach, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my surfboard there, mm. pal. <laughs> what was that? Uh, that was that was actually our first bell, uh, which means bell. it's time for our extracurricular activity. Uh, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna make something up on the spot, on the spot, because we can improvise. We're not robots. We can think mm-hmm. on our feet without mm-hmm. having to hit them with golf clubs uh, or just putt putt clubs. And Holland Farkas is going to tell us what we're doing this week. So, Holland, what are we doing this week? Uh, I think we should do a cooking show. Oh. Mm. All right. Um, that's Chris and I could I be got. like the morning hosts, and we'll, we'll, we'll hand it off to, to Blair and Holland, the, mm-hmm. the cooking experts. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we'll get our little morning music in. <laughs> yeah, I got the coat <laughs> half off. Stop. Put it back oh, on the hook. <laughs> uh. That's why I go to the rack. Anyhow, welcome back to Good Morning with Omar and Chris. Mm. <laughs> yes, now it is still the morning, and I don't know about you, but it's time for second breakfast. Oh, and... please, please, throw an apple over the wheat and hit my head. <laughs> <laughs> I will, Omar. And we are blessed today because, you know, I had juice for the morning because I was trying to be good, but now we are going to get into the great stuff. We have some very special guests today. That's right. That's right. We've got two incredible chefs who have just trained in either France or a French-speaking part of Canada. It's I, w- I went by accents. Mm. We've got Hollande <laughs> and Blair. Oh. Bonjour. Oh, bonjour. Bonjour, bonjour. We and- are ready to make the, the food for you. Oh, great. I love it so much. Mm. I feel like I'm traveling the world right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm running on a giant globe. Uh, so... Today is uh, is actually Robot Appreciation Day, and you you said that uh, you two have prepared three dishes to honor robots. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so uh, the the first dish is a it is a, a French toast, uh, but we have changed the color of the toast. We use a bread. It's a it's a silver French bread. You don't really see it that much. Uh, it is it's native to uh, French French Canada. Uh, and uh, we we top it with a a cream sauce uh, that is very it's very shiny uh, like like a like a robot. And uh, we uh, would you like to uh, explain it more, Blair? Yes, yes. We we, we uh, with with the the shiny sauce. We we sometimes throw on some French fries um, with some cheese curd and the gravy. Yes. And, and, yes, you it's, know, it's like a like a like a poutine uh, French toast. Absolutely, it is, it, it is, takes it to a whole other level. Oh, wow, yes. well, that would definitely get my gears going. Uh, yes, hey, uh, Crocmon, sure, I'll take a piece. <laughs> uh, seconds, please. And speaking of seconds, the second dish is a lunch item. What's that? Uh, well, uh, our our next dish is a uh, it's uh, like a like a hollandaise sauce, uh, but instead of uh, having it be breakfasty, uh, we we put the egg. Uh, on on a sandwich, but but not like a, a croque monsieur. It's just like a like a how you say a, a BLT. You like you like the yes. Oh, a we, BLT, a bacon but, lettuce, but and put, thank you. Yeah, right. BLT, as I believe you <laughs> say but, uh, en français. But we we put an egg <laughs> on top. Uh, oh. And the 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 robots really like it because uh, little little known fact, but robots they they very much like uh, like bacon. Yes. Oh, so. I didn't know that. Yes. But then again, I didn't go to school. Blair, also, I see that there's... Yeah, go ahead, please. We, we, we also terminate up the eggs a little bit. So... <laughs> so we, I like the film. We, we, so so we, ta- we take a, a, a knife and we stab the yolk and the yolk drools everywhere. We take ketchup and put it everywhere. And it just... 
It makes them think of the movie and they feel good. Yes. Oh, God. Well, do Robot Dream of Electric Sheep, I Dream of Rain. That was a song by Sting. Uh, what was my... Oh, yeah, that's right. That takes place in the desert. Speaking of desert, dessert. It looks like we have a dessert item here as well. Could we talk about that for a second? Yes, uh, and if you if you have the room, and if you uh, you so say you you will be back for the <laughs> dessert, uh, we have uh, a very uh, delectable uh, ice, uh, ice cream, uh, glacé, glacé, uh, ice cream, ice cream, glacé, uh, so oui, oui. yes, uh, mm, and uh, learning mm, so much. Yes, yes, and uh, the the robots are uh, a very big fan of. Um, just weird, weird mixtures, uh, the flavor in the ice cream. Um, so, oh, uh, Blair, would you like to uh, expand upon what we put in, in the ice cream? Yes, yes. Sometimes we put a little, like a, a garnish. It looks like a little plant. And, and he, he puts it in a pot and he carries it around um, the robot. And they keep looking for someone named Eva. I don't understand, but um, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's this quest. And, and, and it's something the robots really kind of, draw towards and 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 it tastes it tastes wonderful absolutely wonderful yes yes indeed well i cannot wait to be uncomfortably full tonight oh. because that all <laughs> sounds magic mm. i did not wear a belt today on purpose because i knew that we were having this segment uh thank you both so much or as uh donka shun no. is that no. correct uh no no uh, me, uh, me, au revoir me. mon ami Au revoir. All right. Au revoir. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> Aloha to my taste buds. Thank you so much. Thank you again for tuning in for another episode of Omar and Chris in the Morning. We'll be back in the afternoon and at night. We have the station all day. Mm-hmm. Good night, everyone. Or good morning. And that bell and the Star Wars Force Awakens trailer (laughs) music uh, is gonna be the is gonna be our beacon that is about time to wrap up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us for our discussion of the episode. Ted, we went to some uh, personal places because that's Mm -hmm. what the show does. This show Mm -hmm. brings that out, and I love that about it. This isn't this isn't like a put your brain in a box and just be entertained for an hour. Like there's real stuff going on in this show. Yeah, Uh, Blair. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from Friendly Canada. Yes, no, it was it was my pleasure. I, you guys have turned me on to a show that I've been... I don't know why I haven't watched it. I kept saying, I should watch that. I should watch mm-hmm. that. I've seen everything else Joss has ever done, but that... <laughs> yeah. that for some reason, that I hadn't yet, and I think it was just it was a big undertaking, and I, 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 I really questioned, do I want to... And I, my, my perceptions were terrible. Do I want to start a show about a teenage girl? And um, I'm glad I was very wrong with that. And uh, uh, I, I've very much enjoyed this journey and, and continue to enjoy this journey. I'm, I'm not quite done yet. I'm, I'm still still going through my first playthrough. I'm just hoping awesome. that Netflix doesn't take it away before I'm done. Don't. No. Oh, we will raise a storm <laughs> and like uh, it's our child. And are you doing uh, Angel, the Angel crossovers? It sounds like you're matching it up. I am. You, you sent me a beautiful link that I've been using. Um, oh, Chris, yeah. So thank, thank you very much for that. So I've been doing the crisscrossing over. It's now got to the point where the guide's like, just watch them blocks of four. Things just until yeah. midway through episode seven. So um, cool. it, it, it really helped. I, I kept the storyline was, was bang on. And I'm a continuity person. So mm-hmm. um, that was exactly how I needed to watch it. And I was really glad that I've been watching it as that. Cool. Awesome. Uh, Blair, where can they find you? couple different places you can find me uh almost everywhere with blair beverage i think i'm the only one on the internet and i'm not even exaggerating with that um at twitter at blair beverage you can also find me at webisode watch which is the uh web show that i run where i, I interview people who make digital content um mainly web shows sometimes just internet personalities like two of our hosts here and uh yeah please check me out tumblr oh. facebook twitters oh. i'm in all those places awesome chris where can they find you Hello, I'm Chris Promonti. You can find me as a Montioc on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me performing across the greater Los Angeles area with a musical improv troupe called Robot Teammate and the Accidental Party. And if you're not in L.A., uh, you can watch Robot Teammate on Periscope or on October 23rd. Does this come out before October 23rd? Yeah. yeah. October 23rd <laughs> at around 7 or 8 p.m. We're going to be back on the uh, Geek & Sundry Twitch stream. So if you're not around L.A., you can watch it there. Check that out. Go Team Human. How about you, Holland? Uh, my name is Holland Farkas. Uh, <laughs> 1980s rap again. My name is Holland Farkas. I'm here to say, follow me on Twitter every day. 
Thank you. Yeah, just it's just following Farkas. That's how you should say it. Um, uh, Farkland on Instagram, Telta Hardexo on YouTube. Um, and yeah, I'm like I'm up to stuff, but nothing that I can actually talk about yet. So ooh, ooh. mysteries. Ooh. Uh, I'm Omar. There's no mystery here. You can also find me at YouTube.com/slash Two Broke Geeks uh, or on Twitter at Number Two Broke Geeks. You can also check out my personal Twitter, which is just my name, Omar Najam. I post about spirit every single day apparently uh you can also find anything and everything sunnydale study group related at ssg podcast again that's at ssg podcast on twitter and facebook facebook.com slash sunnydale study group we're also on instagram uh and we just love chatting with you guys we love interacting please send us stuff let's chat let's talk if there's something you want us to mention on the podcast let us know we usually record the night before (laughs) (laughs) but actually Uh, and yep. also, and again, of course, a shout out to JP. Thank you again, JP, for all of your artistic contributions to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, JPSunnydale.tumblr.com. Uh, JP, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet on the internet, no doubt. That's coming right. from another nicest guy you'll meet on the internet, so that's just... Yeah, I feel like he, we just, all the niceness of the internet, I feel like we just interact. We're just like in a bubble of just Yeah, like, we have it. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's like, I hate 4chan. I don't know what that is. I hang out <laughs> with Blair all the time. <laughs> well, you know, all right, we, folks. Positivity. It, it likes to find other positivity. Mm-hmm. Oh. There's a science a joke in, the in there that my brain is too old to <laughs> make. So. Come on. Uh, you're, you're the guy. <laughs> I am positron that you're correct. Um, next week we'll be talking about a very interesting episode, a Marty Noxon episode, Bad Eggs. So we'll be back for that. And until then, pack up your bags, pack up your books. We'll see you next week. I feel the need to apologize for my French accent because I did oh, actually, I had to do a French accent in a play once. I thought it was great. And I, I feel like great. it was a lot better. I feel like it was slightly offensive. Colin, I, I'm, I'm in Canada. I studied French. I, I think I did Scottish at one point. You know, I, just, <laughs> I forgot like, all of the French that I learned also. I was like, I took French for like a good amount of time and like was pretty good at it and mm. just blanking on just every French word I ever learned. The worst I thing about it is works. I actually have family that lived in Quebec all growing up, but I would go visit them like, yes, I can use my French. They're like, no, we don't want to speak French. We get to speak English with you. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to use what I'm learning. So like, close. No. So close. Never. But the French that they teach us in school, I don't know what it's like where you are, but it's completely useless. Utterly useless. <laughs> I used it a bit in, in Paris, uh, and I was kind of successful ordering food sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>